Well, today is a very special Sabbath. It's Communion Sabbath. Amen. Always a great experience to do the foot washing and to take part of the emblems of Christ's body and His blood. And so preparing for today, I have uh, titled my sermon, The Unforgivable Forgiven. Matthew 18 will be our passage, so please open your Bibles. Matthew chapter 18, verses 23 through 35. Now, something that I really admire about Jesus Christ is that when he was with his disciples, he, he took plenty of time and special time out to give his disciples personal instructions. You see that time and time again in the Gospels. He's taking time to teach them. And he would educate them personally in things like overcoming passions, inner peace, how to pray, obedience, interpersonal relationships, the law, on the Sabbath, and one of the toughest topics, how to forgive. So today when we do our foot washing and we participate of the communion service, remember that it's very key to understand what forgiveness is when we celebrate the communion service. So Peter was a disciple with great potential. Actually, Jesus had entrusted him with several responsibilities. He was one of the older disciples. He had more experience in life. And sad to say, that got to his head. So as far as forgiveness goes, he actually believed that others could offend him, but that he couldn't offend others. Because listen to the question he asked Jesus right before that parable. Lord, how many times do I... Hey, check this out. How many times do I have to forgive those that offend me? Dangerous question. Because now he felt that he was worthy of some respect from the disciples, his, his colleagues. He thought that uh, he deserved admiration from them. He thought he was better than the rest. So he had the guts to ask Jesus, how many times do I have to get down to the level of my offenders? Up to seven? Now, remember that the rabbis in Jesus' time had taught the Jews that they should forgive how many times? Three times. After that, it was up to you if you are going to forgive them or not. It was your right to forgive or not to forgive. But they said you should forgive at least three times. So Peter thought that seven was a lot. More than twice the amount that the religious leaders had expected or had suggested from the people. So he actually hoped that Jesus would congratulate him. Yeah, Peter. Good job, Peter. You know, forgiveness is not easy. Perhaps it's one of the most difficult things that we have to do in life. The natural thing is to retaliate, to want revenge, to hold a grudge, or just keep our distance from that person that we don't like. Forgiving means to give up our right. And so this week, I'll share a picture with you here that went around the world. And I know most of you know what, is, what it is about. What a picture that touched so many lives around the globe. 
So let me just read one of the notes that we got from one of our, our news websites. It says, Dallas, a white Dallas police officer who said that she mistook a neighbor's apartment for her own and fatally shot him in the living room was sentenced Wednesday, this past Wednesday, on a decade in prison in a stunning courtroom scene that included the dead man's brother and the black judge embracing the sobbing officer. People outside the courtroom reacted angrily to the sentencing given, by, given to Amber Geiger in the death of Botham Jean, believing it was too lenient. But Jean's brother addressed her directly from the witness stand. Brett Jean told Geiger that his brother would have wanted her to give her life over to Jesus Christ. And that if she asked God for forgiveness, she will get it. Amen. I hope you as a person. I love you as a person, he said. I don't wish anything bad on you. He said to the 31-year-old Geiger before asking the judge, I don't know if it is possible but can I give her a hug? The judge said that he could, and Brandt and Geiger stood up, met in front of the bench, and he embraced her while they cried together. Judge Tammy Kemp also hugged the officer, the ex-officer, before she was led from the courtroom. Now, this morning... Uh, something that really, really hit home was because I knew a teacher when I was doing my master's. Uh, her name is Ruth DePive. I don't know if you guys remember that story. I mean, this even gets closer to home because this is an Adventist family. So let me just uh, recap. This is a non-Adventist attorney, good friends with the family that was killed, missionaries for, from the Adventist church, and I'll just pinpoint a few things that he said, and I, I won't do any editing at all. Actually, the, the, the report didn't do much editing so that, you know, we could preserve the flavor of, the, uh, of what the, uh, this attorney wrote. A memorial service was held at four in the afternoon for Rumor, his wife Margaret, and their son. They had been killed. This guy goes into their house, drugged under the influence of drugs, and killed the father, the mother, one of the children, and the daughter was supposed to be dead, but she survived. So, so listen to this. Elder Itamar and Ruth DePaiva, along with Itamar's two brothers, Emerson and Hernan, the family of Miss uh, Rumor Margaret DePaiva was unable to attend. So this is December 2003. Okay, so remember the, the Paiva family had been serving as missionaries in Palau. Okay. Uh, they were making a powerful impact in the community when, when this happened, when this murders happened. So, so listen to this. The service was long, but a true life-changing experience. Four hours, the memorial service. The attorney was about to get up and say, you know what, this is enough. There was so much crying, there was so much pain. But then look what happened. Ruth de Paiva the mother of the son that had been killed with the wife and the grandson. She got up, and look, look what happens here. 
Ruth the Paiva, the closest relative of the murdered family, took the microphone without warning or announcement and proceeded to demonstrate a level of unsuppressed forgiveness. During the week that she had been in Palau, she had gone to the prison and forgiven the guy that had killed her family. Justin Hirose had been forgiven. She prayed with him, let him know that she had already forgiven him. He cried. Now, having just learned that Justin's mother was at the memorial service, Ms. DePaiva asked Ms. Hiroshi to join her on stage. Ms. Hiroshi was unable to walk alone, so she was assisted by relatives and friends. So they hugged each other together and they almost looked like long lost friends. Together they stepped to the microphone and Miss Paiva announced that they were both mothers grieving the lost sons. You could not hear a pin drop. There was absolute silence. Then tears began to, to flow. Ms. De Paiva continued, she implored the Palawan community to remove any shred of shame that might cover Justin's family. She said that the De Paivas did not blame Justin's family for the tragedy. No one else should either, she said. We raise our children, we educate them, we teach them right from wrong. That is all that mothers can do. So this play of kindness and forgiveness was amazing. The high chief of the island on which the tragedy occurred came to the microphone and announced, if we follow Palawan tradition at its fullest extent, Melissa, the, the granddaughter that had survived, Melissa is now the daughter of Miss Hilosi. And Miss De Paiva is the mother to Justin. He expressed shame, regret, and sorrow on behalf of Justin's family, his clan, and the entire tribe. Then Justin's uncle, the most senior male member of the family, stepped forward. The high chief explained that Justin's family, the clan, through meager means, had sold many of their possessions and now desired to deliver $10,000 cash to Melissa for her college education. The whole congregation was emotionally moved and many tears were shed. Ten-year-old Melissa had been strong throughout the service. When asked where she would like to live, she answered, I'd like to stay here in Palau. When told that her extended family was waiting for her in Texas, she said, but I'll be back someday as a missionary. Soon after that, the entire Paiva family boarded the plane bound to Dallas, Texas, where the family of the late Margaret the Paiva was waiting. And the Paiva family accomplished more in their death than they could ever have in life. They taught that it is best to forgive and forget, to love your neighbors as yourself. Amen. What an incredible story and tears came to my eyes this morning as I remembered the story because I was friends with uh, Ruth the Paiva, the grandmother and when she told her story that was impressive. 
So, forgiving is not easy. So I have a few questions for you. Have we reluctantly granted forgiveness? Or maybe we haven't granted it at all. Or maybe we haven't granted it yet. Sometimes we say, this is the last time I'm going to forgive you. And we stick to our word. That person offends us again and we don't forgive them. Shame on us. Some believe that it's one thing to be good and another thing to be stupid. Yes, we must be meek, but not too meek. Because then instead of meekness, it might be weakness. So like Peter, our ability to forgive is very limited. And our limit is limited. So in real life, resentment lasts more than forgiveness. Someone said it's like when, we, when you hold a grudge, when you hold resentment, it's like taking poison, drinking it, and wishing the other person would die. It's not going to work. Today's society... It's all messed up because hate is stronger than love. And sin is more abundant than grace. But like Peter, we must conceive that only if we could understand that we also offend. Sometimes we think that we can only be offended. So listen to what someone wrote. Forgiveness in grace does not suppress the damage received but gives us power over the past, allowing us to overcome and start over. It transforms our present and helps us move towards the future with dignity for oneself and for dignity for those that hurt us. It helps us to rebuild our history. Peter does not understand how, how high God wants us to grow. The teacher wanted to teach him a lesson, perhaps the most important lesson of his life. Forgive without limits. An early Friday morning before the crucifixion would record a song of a rooster in his memory forever. But for now, Peter was a little rooster that felt that his companions should be caressing his few unsatisfied feather ego. So tell me, sir, how about forgiving seven times? So Peter was flattered. Imagine, like I said earlier, he was expecting the congratulations. Oh, Jesus is going to tell me how intelligent I am, how good I am in math. He's going to say how sensitive, how merciful, and how kind I am. Oh, Jesus responds. I do not tell you unto seven, but 70 times seven. And remember that for the, for the Hebrews, the numbers had symbolism. So seven times 70 is 490, but in Jewish mind, it means that once you get to 490, you start over again. So Peter thought that divine grace was so limited that we could only forgive seven times, and that was abundant forgiveness. But now he has to change his concept. In other words, Jesus was saying, you have to forgive like God forgives. You have to for forgive above all calculations. 
So the gospel of grace impacts Peter's life. The news is incredible. The news that the innumerable human mistakes will never decide for themselves the limits of infinite grace and mercy. Now Peter must leave the small scale accounting and learn large numbers. No more summing, Peter. Now you have to multiply. You have to understand beyond reason what I expect from you. So let's go to the parable there in verse 23. Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him that owed him 10,000 talents. Boy, he was messed up. You understand this as we further uh, discover what this parable means. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, that the payment be made. The servant, therefore, fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion. Underline that word. Compassion. Released him and forgave him the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him just a hundred denarii. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe me. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me and I will pay you. And he would not, but went and threw him in prison till he should pay the debt. So when the fellow servants saw what he had done, they were very grieved and came to their master and told what had happened. Then his master, after he called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you begged me. Should you not have compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly father also will do if you, if you, if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. No, so, so here's the question. What would happen if God applies the same treatment to those of us who don't forgive? You know, stories can change our life. And so here we have a story an incredible story that Jesus told to change Peter's life and to change our life. So your situation and my situation is just like the story. So let's go through this. Your situation and mine is like this person that had this debt. This officer who owed 10,000 talents. So I did my math. I did my research. You know how much that would be today? $7.3 billion dollars. Working day in and day out, he could pay one talent every 20 years. So you do the math. Versus the 100 days of salary that that other guy owed him that was only $10,000. That's a big difference. So in front of the list of debts to God appears your account, my account, your astronomical debt which you cannot pay. We all have an unpayable debt. Our mistakes, the sins that we have created, that we have done, have taken us to a place where we have that irreparable damage. Do, do we even have conscience 
how this affects us? You know, our cruel reality until we experience God's forgiveness is that no matter what we do, we never feel that we can be truly forgiven. So, so just rehearse your life a little bit. I have a few things here for you. How about that offense, impossible to correct or erase? Or, or maybe that last occasion to do good, to help, that will not return. Or that memory that martyrs us and blames us without remedy. One of the things I had struggled with for many years was something that happened when, when we were working in Jalapa, Veracruz, in the capital city of the state of Veracruz. Uh, I was uh, once at the office, at the conference office, and the accountant had heard my daughter Sharon sing. You guys haven't met Sharon. She lives in Mexico. But she's a very, very talented singer. Praise God for that. But the accountant told me something because she was going through her teenage years and you know how that can be. He said, Pastor, if you really want to help Sharon stay in church and love Jesus, record a CD for her. So once I did the math, I said, no, this is too expensive. A few years later, she left church. And I had that guilt trip. What would have happened if I would listen to the Holy Spirit that was talking through that accountant telling me you got to record a CD so that she can go to the churches and sing and be involved and, and, and use her talent for God? Thank God for his forgiveness because I have peace. I know God is in charge and I see how God is changing Sharon's life and she's coming back to God. But how many things don't hunt us? So the parable takes an incredible leap. Moved by compassion, the Lord led his servant free and forgave him his debt. Here, we not only touch the bottom of the story, but we also touch the bottom of our history as human beings. If God will take into account all sin, all errors, even when you look bad at somebody, even our motives, then I have a question for you. Who could pay? The debt. Because the Bible says that he is going to take all our motives in consideration and judgment. All the good and bad that we've done. Because a lot of the good we've done, we've done it with egoism in our hearts to try to get something back. So what gets between human beings and God is a long history of pride and tremendous ignorance because the debt has been canceled. It's been canceled. There is nothing left to pay. The only thing we see at the end of the line is a zero because someone has paid in full. One of my teachers, famous author and writer of our church, Pastor Dupartuis, Argentinian guy, he said that just a few years ago he went to the store and uh, the wife had sent him to buy just, you know, some tomatoes and a few things. And when he was at the register, he found out he didn't have his wallet with him. So he said, you know what, I'll be right back. I'm going to go home, and I'll be right back and pay. And he was a little bit embarrassed, of course. So he goes home. When he comes back, the ticket on the reverse side said paid in full. The guy that was standing in line behind him had already paid for it. 
But that was just a little debt. Imagine our debt that we cannot pay. Jesus has paid it all. Isaiah 53, 3 to 7 expresses that reality. He is despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. We don't need any more proof than this, brothers and sisters. This is the proof of true forgiveness indeed. But forgiveness that responds to true repentance. So the bottom line is this this morning, brothers and sisters. Accepting to be forgiven is accepting to forgive. So if you have been forgiven by God, you don't have the right to not forgive. So I'll just say it one more time. Accepting to be forgiven... Forgiven is also accepting to forgive. So I have an invitation for you today as we go to the foot washing and partake of the communion service. How many of you would like to thank God for his amazing grace? How many would like to accept once again his forgiveness? Accept that the debt has been paid. But here's the challenge. Just as Jesus has forgiven you, are you willing to forgive others? Are you going to find the ways and the means to heal those wounds that separate us many times from that God that we love because we build that space between us when we don't forgive? Are we willing to forgive? So as you wash either your husband, your wives, or your sons or daughters or another church member's feet, just remember that Jesus forgave you, you must forgive others. Jesus forgave us. And so when we come back from the foot washing, we're not here to cry because Jesus died. No, we're here to celebrate. This is a celebration. When we take the bread and the wine, we are celebrating the salvation and the cleansing that we have gotten when we did the foot washing. So brothers and sisters, as you have responded to God's calling, let me pray for you. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for your amazing grace. Thank you, dear God, for forgiving this unpayable debt, this $7.3 billion that we owe you. We could never pay it back. There was no way. Our sins, Lord, have multiplied the debt that we owe you 
and yet you have compassion on us and you forgive us our debt like if we had never had that debt before. So God, as we go through our service this morning of foot washing and communion, help us to remember how forgiving you are and how forgiving we should be. In Jesus' name, amen.